All right, everyone, let's do this. How are you? Everyone doing good? I bet you're doing okay. Welcome to this week's episode of our podcast. It's called Is Breakfast Included? On the show this week, I sit down with a good, 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 good friend of mine, Russ Rockwood Rojas. Now, Russ has a podcast called The 415 Podcast. You can find it on Google Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor, all the usual suspects. We uh, started the conversation. The initial interview was just because we wanted to do it about his podcast, but man, Russ has this history. He's a former roadie. He used to work for a band called, you might've heard of him, Pantera. He went on to work for Laura Tracy. He's also a photographer. He's had an internet radio show. Man, he's done a little bit of everything. And we got into art history as buddies. Anyway, it was a lot of fun catching up with Russ. I'll let you check it out. Yeah, ready whenever you are. All right, man. Tell everyone who you are. My name is Russ Rojas uh, from Arlington, Texas. Uh, uh, friends of Bernie's for a long time. Been uh, kind of hooked up. Kind of funny way we hooked up. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't hook up that way, but we hooked up. Well, yeah, we didn't hook up that way, y'all dirty-minded people. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was managing a band. I don't even remember which band I was managing, and I was trying to get a trying to get a um, show. And you were at the, was it the, well, uh, uh, I was working at club Indigo Indigo. And, uh, I guess it was early morning. I kept calling and calling and funny answers. What? You know, he was asleep. You were asleep. So, uh, I started talking and we started talking about the band and stuff. And we just became buddies, man. We kept getting friends talking all the time. I know there was a long time where I didn't even know who you were. And, you know, <laughs> probably the street. I've talked to you. I talked to you a thousand times. And then finally we met and we just, dude, we've been friends ever since. Probably a good, shoot, probably a good 20 years, if not more. Yeah, I remember uh, they when they made me in charge of booking that place, they put my number, my personal number as the, rather than, you know, the office number, like calling. Right. And, and yeah, you called. It was like, I want to say it was like eight in the morning on a weekday. Yeah. yeah. And I answered the phone and I'm like, dude, hello. And then you're like, hey, man, can I talk to Bernie? And... <laughs> I remember just a simple, I could have been like, yeah, just call me later at this number. But I think you and I ended up talking like a couple of hours. Yeah, we did. Because we knew all the same people. And then I was like, yeah, man, you know, I'll book your band. <laughs> <laughs> and then I actually worked with one of your old bands, you know. Yeah. As that a little bit. It was kind of fun, you know, back in the day. So. Yeah. But I think what, 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 we, uh, what we connected with is we started talking and you told me you worked with... Uh, I don't know, a couple of bands from Texas that actually made a name for themselves for a while. Yeah, Pantera for one. Pantera, yeah. and then you moved on from Pantera to a band called Lord Tracy. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, Terry Glaze, the original singer for Pantera, is uh, my best friend. Terry Glaze, um, who's a friend of this show, he's done the podcast twice. Yeah. He's the only Absolutely. person who's done it twice. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely, yeah. I, um, I actually went to... To junior high with Rex and Rex, I was in the uh, the band and I played saxophone and uh, Rex was actually a tuba player and uh, and I got pictures to prove that <laughs> uh, and he also played bass for the choir and you know I knew him in school I didn't know him that well but I knew him in, in junior high and then we went off to high school uh, he went to Sam Houston High School here in Arlington and I went to Bowie High School in Arlington. And uh, one night, a bunch of guys were talking about, hey, let's go out to this 
place in West Fort Worth, and I lived in Arlington at the time, and it was a good, probably good 30, 45 minute drive to the west side of Fort Worth, just to the to the boonies, and a club called uh, the, damn, oh, shit, I can't remember the name, Joe's Garage. And when I got in there, and they were playing, I said, hey, I know that dude, it was Rex. Yeah. And so, played three sets every night, and so after the first set, I went up and started talking to him, we, you know, we tried to bullshit, and he introduced me to everybody in the band, you know, Vinny, and, and Daryl, and Terry, and well, at the end of the night, um, Terry came up to me. We were, I was actually backstage, which was actually a uh, freezer. It was an old freezer backstage. It was so funny. And uh, so we're back there talking. He said, hey, man, you coming out to the show tomorrow? I said, yeah, I think I'm, I may come back out. And he asked me where I lived. Well, it turns out that Terry lived literally like five blocks from my house. And um, so the next night, you know, he calls me. It's way before cell phones. He calls me at home, and I go pick him up, and pretty much we were inseparable at that time. I mean, I started kind of just kind of hanging out. And then before I knew it, I was pulling cables and plugging up uh, amps and never did the, uh, the guitar work for, you know, changing strings or anything like that or tuning. But I was always, you know, big boy. I was picked up, you know, cases and set the stage up and help with the, with the drums and stuff. And um, then Terry uh, in 85, Terry decided to, uh, to leave, quit, fired, whatever everybody wants to say. And, uh, he formed Lord Tracy. Now, was this during their cover cover band years? Or yeah, cover? They, uh, Pantera would do like three sets every night. They they played. They would play, and it was funny because they would play Thursday night, which was usually college night, most places, and they still do that. But um, he, they would play three sets. They would play Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, and sometimes Sunday night. So they played four days in a row at the same venue. That is unheard of now. I mean, God forbid, bands don't do that stuff now. But they would play four nights, and it was three sets a night. And usually the first set was just nothing but covers, you know, uh, Judas Priest and some Metallica. Metallica was still really new, and they were kind of underground at the time. And, you know, uh, Kill and all those other bands like that. You know, they're, but Pantera was making their own work, their own uh, their own path, which was, was really was really cool. And then their second set was pretty much originals. And then uh, the third set was pretty much, I guess, kind of a combination of originals and um, the covers. And actually, Daryl used to sing, um, uh, what's that Metallica song? Uh, Whiplash. Shit, I can't, yeah, I think it was Whiplash. And it just it was just fun. And yeah, yeah. Every, everybody used to show up. And it didn't matter. Thursday night, Friday night, whatever. It was always freaking packed. And Pantera was... You know, at the time, the only other bands they had around were just, you know, they were still a local band, of course, but they were one of the only bands in this area that I knew that was just packing in places. And you had other bands that, you know, high school bands and stuff that were around, but they weren't doing, I'm not going to say they weren't doing good. They just weren't as big as Pantera was. It was really crazy as I look at, you know, I look back now going, damn, we were in high school and these guys were still, were already packing in small venues. Yeah, you know, I, so. I I mean I remember me being in high school and going to these small venues to see this local band that was to their to us they were rock stars. Right, exactly. It's weird. Already, you know. You know, they had a they had a huge following and they had their their own little circuit where they play they play Fort Worth and then go down out to Abilene and then go out to El Paso and then they come back this way they play in Odessa, Midland area and then they you know, go down to San Antonio or Austin and play, and then they'd shoot back up to Shreveport and, you know, Texarkana and Tyler, and then they'd come back around to Oklahoma City, and then they'd start their tour again. They'd come back down and 
that was like every month. That was the the thing. They played the same clubs, just this big giant circle, you know, in these three states. Yeah. And it was just it was ungodly. And then when during the summertime, I'd go out and, and I'd work with them. It was just it was funny because here we are, a bunch of kids either still in high school or just barely out of high school. I mean, literally barely like a year out. And we're packing in places. I mean, we played with Dawkins in tree and uh, Sherman and it was I think we had more fans than than Dawkins did you know it was just it was really weird you know well Ross you know well you to know, be honest yeah. as Joey C Jones once said everybody blows Dawkins away <laughs> but, <laughs> hey not not to dog anybody but Don was not so nice oh know? no 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 he, he's I've met him a couple of times. He was a nice guy. But I went to see one of Joey's last shows, and he said that from the stage. Everybody blows yeah. talking away. <laughs> yeah, you know. And but this last time that Lord Tracy played Dawkins, it's funny when they played with Don Dawkins, not Dawkins, but Don Dawkins. He was just such a nice guy, and I was like, and I told him, I said, man, you know, the first time I met you back in the eighties, you were a dick, and he just laughed. He goes, yeah, I hear that a lot, you know. But it was cool, you know. It was cool meeting some of the people and. You know, but uh, the the old days is great, crazy because you know Daryl. When I first saw Daryl, actually, they played at my high school talent show, and I thought Daryl was a girl. <laughs> I really, and I was like, "Damn, that's the ugliest girl I've ever seen." You know, he had these tight spandex. He was skinny as a rail, and then had this big giant fro. Yeah, and I've seen the pictures. Do what? I've seen the pictures of the fro. Oh no, crazy. He's just this little bitty dude, and I always thought they were cool. And then I found out that Terry and Vinny both went to high school at the same time I did at the same high school. And then so when I left and went to Arlington High School, they had already graduated, and I still I still continue to work for them. We you know still doing stuff. And then it turned out that me and Daryl had a me and Daryl had a record keeping class together, Miss Leo's class, and it was so funny because Daryl it was a record keeping class and. Miss Lee was just this typical, she looked like your typical grandma. She had that little, like that moo-moo on it. She yeah, had, yeah. you know, gray hair, pulled back in a little bun, you know, glasses. And she was just the sweetest thing in the world. And Daryl used to give her so much crap. But it was like, it wasn't me in, in meanness. It was just in playfulness. And she'd always say, Daryl, you better learn how to write a check, you know. And he'd go, I want to be a rock star. I'm going to have people write, you know people writing my checks for me. I'm not going to have to, I'm just, I'm just going to count my money. And we just started laughing, but who would, would have known, you know, you know, years later that he would be the biggest rock star in the world. You know? I know. Right. right. It's just easy because here's this kid that me and him would go out to lunch in his yellow Camaro, his yellow firebird and get blasted stone out of our minds and then go back to Miss Leo's class and just laugh our ass off. You know, <laughs> And uh, he actually got me in trouble one time. Uh, he threw an eraser. I mean, he sat in front of me. He threw an eraser and hit Miss Lee on the back of the head with the when they actually had chalkboards. And uh, it was funny because the the you could see the the chalk dust bounce off her head and kind of come out a little bit. And it was like, oh my god! He jumps up, looks at me, goes, "Dude, that was uncool. You shouldn't have thrown that at her." And of course, I got sent to the office, and I'm looking at him at the door, and I'm going, "You asshole!" You know, <laughs> you know? but. Uh, you know, he dared me one time to pierce my ear in her class, and I did. And the girl next to me passed out, you know. But he was just, I always remember Daryl as from the first day I met him to the last day I saw him, he was the same kid. 
he was a big kid. He loved to have fun. And he was just always very cheerful. I, I don't think I've ever seen him upset or mean or mad at anybody. I mean, I'm not saying he didn't, but yeah, I never saw it. But the last time I saw him was actually a few months before he got killed at, at Curtain Club when Lord Tracy played. And he came up and uh, yelled out Jelly Bean across the... And it was weird because I, I, I heard it and I knew he was the only one that called me that. And he came <laughs> He came up, he jumped up on top of me, wrapped his legs around my big fat body and was like, dude, you know, jelly bean, you know, he rubbed my head, and, you know, and then, you know, like I said, three, four, five months later, he was, he was killed and it just, it sucked. Yeah. You know, yeah. you know, here's a guy and uh, I was actually watching something on YouTube the other day and it was about Pantera and he, he's got him on camera and I just, to hear his voice again, it was just like so cool. It was like, wow. You know, I remember that freaking gravelly voice, you know. But Daryl's cool, man. You know, I, you know, I didn't, you know, when I went on tour, I didn't see him as much because we were actually on a different circuit that they were. I mean, we we would play a town and they would be coming like two days later, or they were already there and then we'd come by behind them. You know, we were yeah. kind of like tour, but it was kind of fun. But you know, I miss that guy. He was so cool because I could I would run into him anywhere in Arlington. I mean, you could run into him at the freaking gas station, grocery store, you know, uh, porn shop, whatever. Yeah. You know? <laughs> You know, it's it's funny. Whenever I talk to somebody from from that was really in that scene back in that time, and and I bring up Pantera, or it's they are brought up, it, it, the the conversation becomes about Daryl. And you know, yeah. like I said, I I I'm not ever going to say I was one of his friends. I was in his presence several times, but right. what I you know, I was just talking to Sterling a few months ago, and like I told Sterling, like. Well, Daryl always made you feel like you were the only person in the room. Mm -hmm. If he just mm -hmm. met you or if he knew you forever, once he was talking to you, he'd zero in and start and finish the conversation. There was no like looking over your shoulder to see if there was anybody more important he should right. talk to. And like I said, I'll never sit here and say like, oh, we were buddies, but I was in his presence and we used to talk and we used to chat. And I remember, you know, a couple of nights where it was it was just pretty deep. You know, yeah. Like I said, yeah. anytime he gets brought up, this conversation, this show becomes a, a dime bag Daryl show. I know, it's or let's crazy. say a diamond Daryl show. Yeah, I die. Yeah, I know that's funny. <laughs> you know, and I get that a lot. Of people, oh, you work for Pantera? I said, yeah. And it, the first, and like you said, the first thing is, well, you, were you friends with Daryl? As a matter of fact, I was, man. You know, when we were in high school, you know, we he'd spend night at my house and you know, whatever. And it's just, you know, yeah, you're right. It always turns into Daryl and it's, it's a big, what about Vinny? And I was like, you know, Vinny's Vinny, you know, Vinny to me was Vinny at the time. And, and if he was still alive, he'd still be the Lars of Pantera. <laughs> he, he, he was the business. Dude. All I business. Mean, was, yeah. All business. Always business. Always, you know, had that straight face, you know, and when he let loose, he let loose, but it was always funny. He was always, uh, it was about business. Yeah. Nothing wrong with that, man. There's gotta be no, one in the band. So yeah, absolutely. Around uh, they they were going had, had they already started writing for power metal when when uh, Terry decided to leave. Like Terry, had, I believe don't don't get me don't get me wrong. I think Terry had actually had, had already written power metal. Uh huh. And I guess I think and and I want to say that Terry actually laid down the first tracks of that album, and then. Um, then Phil had to come in and redo them. Uh huh. And there are some there on the power metal, and I can't remember which song it is, but there's a song that makes reference to Terry. And it's just kind of funny. He's kind of like a, at that time, it was kind of like a jab at Terry. 
Yeah. But it's because people have always asked me before, does Terry hate Pantera? No. And I, I, I can guarantee, I know for a fact that Terry doesn't hate Pantera. He's very happy for them. He was very happy for them because you got two bands out of it, you know, and, and you, you know, the music business as well as I do. It's hard. And to, to, we, it, back in the eighties, man, you know, we, we supported, everybody supported everybody as, you know, as, as it should be. And, um, but Terry never hated Pantera. He was, a, it was what it, it is, what it is. I mean, Terry wanted to go the direction that he actually went with, uh, with Lord Tracy and Pantera went the way they wanted to go to. And so it worked out for the best. I mean, you know, Terry's into, you know, like, uh, cheap trick and the police and, Lady Kravitz and stuff like that, whereas Pantera's into Metallica and you know Anthrax and stuff like that. So it it, it worked out. And but um, they, I, I almost want to bet uh, for sure that the, the album had already been written. And I actually got a demo tape of the Power Metal album. Yeah, it's on it's on freaking cassette. <laughs> you know, and uh, I've had people offer me a couple hundred bucks for it. I, it's, I'm not gonna sell it. I mean, it's just. You know, uh, not just as some random person, you know, but I've given, you know, I had a couple of those Diamond Daryl guitar picks and I think I got one left. But, you know, I've given them to a couple of my friends that are huge guitar players, you know, guitar fans. And I've given a couple away here and there, you know, but other than that, I'm not going to get, you know, I'd have to, you know, I might have to will my my last one pie to you, you know. <laughs> you guys heard it. <laughs> yeah, you heard it. I will will my last Diamond Daryl pink pick. To Bernie, <laughs> I'll make sure I tell my wife to give you the pick. Right on, man. So, um, so you went, you moved on. You left with Terry. Terry started Lord Tracy. You know, we had Terry. Terry was one of the first guests on here. Oh, of course, you set it all up for me, and uh, <laughs> and told me all about that. What was what was it like going out with those guys, man, in the eighties? Because that was around eighty eight, eighty nine, uh, or ninety one. I'm sorry. No, because. Oh, because the Death Gods Babylon album came out in '89, so they got together pretty shortly after after Terry left Pantera, so about '86, '87. And it was funny because Terry will tell the story too, and I'll, I'll tell it the, the kind of the way he does it. He had always, we had actually Pantera had played at the Bronco Bowl when Terry was with them, and Lightning had opened up for for Pantera. And of course, if most people in Dallas know, Lightning had Chris Craig on drums, Rocky Atlas. Uh, and Barney on bass and Barney was phenomenal then, you know, he was a young kid and Terry had always wanted to play with, with, with Barney. And so when he had the opportunity, when, when he left Pantera, he, he'll tell you that in the, the story is that he, he went initially to steal Barney from what was at that time called 3d. It was Chris uh -huh. Craig on drum, Jimmy R on guitar and, and Barney on bass. He actually went in there and tried to steal Barney away from him and form another band. But, me and him went to the rehearsal. They asked me if he wanted to come out and just bullshit and sing. And so anyway, we went out there, uh, North Arlington, went out to this little recording studio or uh, rehearsal hall, and they got in there. It was like they'd been playing for forever. I mean, it, it, they just started playing, and it's like wow. And I think that's when Terry realized that this band was was it. This is the band that he wanted to play in, and he got the best of both worlds. He got to be in a band, and he got to be play with Barney. And not only that, Chris was a phenomenal drummer, and Jimmy was just that bluesy, rock and roll guitar player, and it just freaking worked. 
and he went out to Memphis like the next weekend and never looked back. And it was, it was so much fun because, you know, th- those guys bring so much talent to, to the, to the table. And, you know, you got Terry on vocals, you can also play guitar. And then you got Barney playing phenomenal bass. And then they just started writing. And I think Terry, Terry has always written stuff. So I think some of the stuff he had had, uh, he brought to the table was stuff that he had already written and they just polished it off, you know? And it it was just crazy because it, it seemed like, you know, I look back now and I go, wow, it seemed like it just happened overnight, which it kind of did, but it really didn't. I mean, they were playing clubs. We play at the, um, on the rocks to three people. And those were the wives. Yeah. It would, it would be dead. And, but those guys would play like they were playing to 10,000 people, you know, a stadium, you know, and one night this lady came in, she was with Geffen records. She was actually here to see, um, I mean, it was a Thursday night. She actually was here to see Edie Brickell and the New Bohemians because they were on Geffen's label. Yeah. And she just happened to be walking around Deep Ellum, got into the bar, and I was standing there. And she came up to me. She was, hey, my name is such and such. She gave me her card. And I looked down and said, Geffen Records. I was like, she was any chance of talking to the, the guys in the band. I'm like, okay, this can't be real. There's only like three people in the freaking club. And so I go back to the guys and, hey, man, this chick is here. Wants to talk to you. And they're like, whatever. So she comes back and next thing we know is is like David Geffen starts getting interested. And then something happened at the, at the basement where a band had canceled and they were doing Z rock metal Mondays. And they asked Lord Tracy to play actually at the time they were still called 3d. And uh, they asked, asked them to play and it was packed. Well, there was only packed because everybody wanted to be on the radio mm-hmm. before we knew it. It was just like bands were people were coming out to see, see the band. And it just kind of a weird thing is just all of a sudden we were getting courted by all these record companies. We had no manager. We had no plan. It was just something that just happened. And it took probably a good year, but it was just weird because here they were playing to nobody to plan to pack houses. Yeah. They like within a month, you know, and I can, I can only say that Z rock helped us, you know, it was live coast to coast. You know, I remember that, you know, and, so and then Danny Brown was friends with Barney and Chris and he had a studio out in Mesquite or somewhere out there. And I remember that when they decided to change the name from 3D and uh, we were actually in the studio, me, Rusty and in the band and everybody Rusty was watching a freaking porno and it was Tracy Lords and Bar- uh, they were doing actually doing a demo for the record company. And um, Danny goes, what are we naming this band? They 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 didn't like the name 3D. It just sounded too corny. Mm-hmm. And so Rusty yells out, "Tracy Lords." <laughs> so Danny, I thought he was joking. Writes Tracy Lords on the on the reel on the canister, and we started looking at it, and that's how it stuck. Was and then yes, of course, we did get a cease and desist from from Tracy Lords from herself, her 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 uh, legal department, and uh, the band actually by that time the band had already um, was getting ready to have a record deal with, uh, with MCA, but we still had no manager. So the band negotiated everything at first. So I think like Terry said before, I think they did that backwards, you know, <laughs> got, a record, got a manager instead of having a manager and then getting a record deal. But it worked out. It was so much fun, dude. I mean, it was my first big tour. I mean, it was like, it was crazy. A few months later, we found out we're, we're out, we're going out with uh, Ace Fraley and, 
course, who isn't an Ace Frehley fan? I mean, you know, it was just cool. But I know, even being, if you're not an Ace Frehley fan, you're a fucking Ace Frehley fan. <laughs> oh, yeah, dude. It was so cool. It was like, because I remember when I was, it sounds, I'm dating myself, but, you know, when I was, God, maybe second or third grade, I bought my first Kiss album. That was, that was like 73. It's the gateway and band, man. It was, it was cool. And my dad, I remember my dad, I'm looking at him, like, it was a vinyl. And I was like, Dad, I want to buy this album. Ah, oh, you're not going to buy that crap. Look at those guys. They got freaking makeup on, you know, or those guys or those girls, you know. And I'm like, I want that album. He finally bought it for me. But it was just so cool to, who would have known that many, many years later that I'd actually be on tour with Ace, you know. And it's just the funnest. And I know the first, we drove out to, um, Go uh, where we go? Uh, North Carolina, Fayetteville, North Carolina was our first first night, and we had a meeting with their management, and we were told at that time we couldn't talk about <laughs> we couldn't talk about the movie Phantom uh, Kiss Meets Phantom in the Park. Uh huh. We couldn't talk about the movie. Uh, we couldn't talk about drugs or alcohol because Ace was clean. Uh huh. And which was a lie, but <laughs> and. Uh, but it, we, they just set out rules. We, we can't, you know, no alcohol on the stage when all alcohol had to be taken off the stage before Ace got on, on stage. No, if you smoke weed, you can't do it backstage. You know, it was just so many different rules. And the first couple nights were kind of hard because it, they were kind of standoffish. But once you break bread, it's done. And you know that. I mean, you, you, you work a lot of road crews. You, you're on a road crew and, you know, especially when Rusty's around, he firing up a big fatty and all of a sudden you get Ace Freddy's crew going, Hey man, can I take a, can I have some of that? And before you know it, you're just best buds. And it got to the point where we were helping, they would help us load in and load out and we would help them load in and load out. And we, me and Rusty would help provide security for Ace and Richie Scarlett and all the guys in the band. And, you know, and it was just so cool, you know, it was so cool to be, be out with them and people that were big rock stars were, were coming out to the shows and, you know, it was just, it was so much fun. Yeah. Let, let me interrupt you for a second, man. You said something earlier, like you bought that Kiss album and then all these years later you were on tour with Ace. I In this industry, it's kind of not cool to be a fan. I mean, you meet a lot of people who are like, right. eh, whatever, this, whatever. But like for me, like I've worked for a lot of bands that for most of the bands that I've worked for, I wasn't a fan to begin with. I later became a fan because of the music, including the current band I'm with. Um, But that one time you get to work for a band, their posters were on your wall. And that happened for me. And I had to keep a very professional composure. But, you know, to be be able to tell that person, like, dude, like, this this is so, you know, crazy to me that I'm standing in front of you. I'm actually working with you, working for you. And they appreciate that. It's it's cool because, you know, you want to, as a fan of, of, of aces, you want to go, Oh my God. You know, you want, you want to do that little girl thing, you know, Oh my God, it's fucking Ace Rayleigh. But again, you, like you said, you have to be professional Yeah, and you, and you know, I've, I've, at that time, you know, I've dealt with a lot of kind of famous people and to me, they're just people. And I've learned through the years, they're just people just like you and me. Yeah. They put their pants on the same way. They shit the same way, whatever. But Ace was so cool. And it got to, like I said, after the first week, it got to the point where we were like hanging out with their crew. We were hanging out with their band members. 
me and Richie Scott, me and Richie Scott still talk. Uh, he's a friend of mine on Facebook. And we still talk. Matter of fact, he was here a couple of years ago uh, with Ace and I got them to go to, I got uh, a friend of mine worked at AT&T and I got his wife who's uh, since passed is a, was a huge cowboy fan. And so I got them to go do the tour for nothing. You know, it was just you know, something I, you know, it, we do favors for each other, you yeah, know, but yeah. I still talk to Richie. I still talk to Richie. And uh, it is just so cool, you know, because he always tells me, when I come to town, dude, we're going to go get some lunch. I'm like, bring it, dude. You know, and, but it, the Ace thing was so cool because it got to the point where you would sit down and eat breakfast with Ace. And it was just like, that's fucking Ace Riley. You know, I'm eating fucking Cheerios and freaking omelets with fucking Ace Riley, you know? And, yeah. And yeah. You look at, wow, that's freaking badass, you know, but you got to be professional. But, you know, like I said, uh, hanging out with those guys. I remember being on the bus in Houston with Ace. Um, I was actually looking for a promo picture, and he comes up and puts his arm around me. He goes, you going to take a picture? And, and Richie Scarter goes, Ace, he wants a promo. Oh. And then he sits down and like, dude, <laughs> Ace, <laughs> Ace, give me a hug, you know? But, you know, in, in the, on that same tour, I got to meet, um, what's the name, uh, the guy from White Lion, the guitar player from White Lion. Vito uh, uh, Brada. Vito, yeah. And then I met um, Vito has become a recluse, man. I heard that too. Yeah. Uh, I met, uh, I was standing watching the Ace show at the Palladium in, in LA after we had opened up for him. And I was standing on the ramp and I look over next to me and rubbing shoulders with me was Peter Chris. And I'm like, <laughs> holy shit, you're Peter Chris, you know? <laughs> you know, and we've opened, we played with this, and the same tour, we were off and we actually played a show with bad english at the same time yeah. and which was and i got to meet uh sam kennison that night you know and who would have known that a year later he'd be dead but yeah he was cool you know just you can't get starstruck in this business and it's it's sometimes it can it can be easy to you know but oh i still get starstruck until i you know then i then i lose it real quick yeah you yeah know, I, get, I, I get constantly made fun of because i get starstruck but i don't show it that you know right right you know um i took my wife a few years ago to go see uh brett michaels in tyler and as you know i shoot some photography so um i don't know i can't remember how it happened but someone called me and said hey man i got you in to see brett michaels and i said badass where tyler and i was like what that's like two hours from where i'm at was it at clicks it was at uh the oil rig the, oh the oil palace oil palace, oil palace. <laughs> And uh, I drove all the way out there, and it was cool because when we got there, we also um, I got to uh, introduce myself to uh, the guys from Warrant. Uh huh. Um, they were they were opening band, and then Lita Ford was the main support, and it was so cool because Lita was just, and that's another person. He's just she was such a sweetheart. You know, she was so nice. She came. Me and my wife were sitting at this little table backstage, and she came down. And she was kind of sit with y'all. I was like, yeah, of course, you're Lita Ford. You know. And, uh, but, uh, Brett Michaels was cool. I mean, he was doing his meet and greet thing, but he was really cool. You know, he, we talked for a little bit, but, uh, yeah, it's easy to get starstruck out here, you know, on the road. And matter of fact, I'm a huge fan of the band you're with. And I saw them twice at reunion arena, took my, my, my sister both times. Uh-huh. So, but yeah, when I found out you were working with them, I was like, oh, hell yeah, that's cool right there. <laughs> You know, I'm still a fan. I've always been a fan of theirs, regardless. Because that's some chick rock. <laughs> okay, and right. 
Well, man, uh, you mentioned this earlier. You you do a little photography. How did you how did you get into photography? I mean, because well, you left Lord Tracy, you kind of laid low, and you started managing bands. And then, did you get into photography while you while you were on the road? Or? Yes, I'd always been interested in photography since I was younger. Um, I had uh, always loved to take pictures, and in high school, we didn't have that many photography classes, and I never could get into a photography class. But I still took pictures with an old film camera. You know, my dad had bought an AE one that he never used, a Minolta AE one, and I picked it up, started shooting. But I wanted to be on the on the yearbook, you know, or the newspaper, whatever at the school and I never could get in. And it's funny, but I would take pictures on the road. I, I got tons of pictures that I still haven't gone through. But um, one night, um, a friend of mine uh, worked for a magazine called Rock and Roll Industries Magazine out of L.A. And he, we, we had, I had hooked him up with, with the interview. Terry did an interview for him for the magazine. And I hooked him up with some interviews with some other people and stuff. And anyway, they were coming here to do um, the Ride for Dime. Uh, the, the editor and his wife who on the, who on the company, well, on the way here, she was going to be the photographer. And on the way here, she broke her camera. So he reaches out to me and says, Hey, you know, you're still in Dallas. I'm going to be there in a couple of days with, with the ride for dime. Do you, do you, can you shoot pictures? And I said, okay. He goes, we're going to give you all clearance. If we can say yes, we'll give you all clearance. Well, anyway, I shot that whole weekend, I, you know, from Thursday to freaking Sunday and sent her probably, a good two, 300 pictures. And she calls me back a few months later and just out of the blue and says, Hey, you want to do some, some, uh, freelance for us? And I was like, well, yeah. He goes, we don't have anybody in Texas. Would you be willing to go to these shows? And I was like, yeah, if I'm going for free, hell yeah. And so I've shot, um, the Texas mutiny, which had hell yeah. And ghost. And, uh, there was a ton of bands. It was three stages, and they were all running pretty much simultaneously, except for the main stage. But it was it was so cool. And then after that, I did Caboo, Texas, that had Lionel Richie and Rick Springfield, uh, Collective Soul, Los Lobos, Los Lonely Boys, uh, B-52s, The Killers. It was so much fun. So I've done quite a few. And then <clears throat> in the meantime, I, I'd also been shooting. I'd shot at Gas Monkey Live, Gas Monkey Bar and Grill, you know, so... Just recently, I just shot Santana and uh, uh, Kenny Loggins, and that was pretty cool. But yeah, I just kind of, it kind of just kind of fell in my lap, uh -huh. and it was actually that I'd actually been wanting to do for, you know, Joe Jerome, who used to shoot pictures for for Pantera quite a bit, and he was a concert photographer. He worked for the the magazine. He worked for like Fort Worth Star Telegram out here, and he was always hanging out with Pantera. I always thought that was cool, you know photographer and I, thought, and I always wanted to get into it never could figure out how and then when i'm now i'm doing it and it's like wow and i, I get people all the time go man i saw you at kenny loggins a couple months ago and i, I saw you at such and such a year or so ago you're still shooting it's funny because you see people that at every you see a lot of people at these concerts and they know you you mm -hmm. know so it's kind of cool but it was something I, I just love shooting photography whether it's concerts or babies or families or whatever i just you know i you can't ever go wrong. People go, oh, I take bad pictures. No, no one really takes a bad picture, you know. And uh, it's whatever your eye sees, man. And that's what I, I say, yeah. you know. Well, Russ, I, I, I have to tell you, I do take bad pictures. <laughs> you don't. I don't have a good side. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, it's it's fun. Um, I just, uh, I wish I could do it more often. I wish I could do it for, for a living. Mm-hmm. 
but it's just so cool because I've got to meet so many different, you know, different artists from different genres, you know, anywhere from hip hop to, to country, to, to thrash, to yacht rock, to, you know, and it's just, it's just so much fun. Cause everybody's, I think like 99% of the artists I've ever dealt with at a show are cool. They've always been really cool with us. Uh-huh. And so I, I give it to a lot of artists. I mean, I don't think I've really met anybody was, was, was an asshole or anything. You know, um, I did send all my pictures to uh, Lionel Richie's management company. I, I reached out to him. I said, hey, I took these pictures. I'm not asking for anything. I'm not asking for money. All I'm asking is to get my name out there. And I sent her the pictures. And they've actually used them on some of his websites. So it was actually kind of cool. So That's awesome, it's, man. Yeah, it's, it's actually kind of cool, you know. Um, like I said, I wish I could do it more more often, you know. So, but... Uh, yeah, I, I love it, dude. I mean, like I said, I, I shoot crazy stuff. I see stuff. It's weird because I see stuff. I guess I'm kind of like an artist. Like, you know, when people write, you know, I, I see stuff in my head and I'm like, oh, that'd be cool for a picture. You know, if you did it this way, you did it that way, you added this on it. But I, I, I just see things in my head that I think are cool, yeah. you know, that I think are cool. So, but. Well, Russ, <clears throat> excuse me, you and I, man, we, we've been friends I'm gonna say well over 20 years. Yeah, that's probably it's probably longer than 20 years because I don't know the exact year we met. We've known each other. So I feel like I've known you all my life. I know, but I know when I was starting this this podcast, I didn't know what I wanted to do. I didn't know how I wanted to do it. All I knew is I needed some help and i went to you and i go hey will you sit down with me and just do an interview and we'll do this and was- uh you said yeah i'll do it we went and sat in your garage and we talked for about an hour and uh it, it was basically research for me to see how i i wanted to approach this but why i reached out to you is you started your own podcast exactly exactly and and i'm going to tell you honestly i started my i had th- i had thought about it that I didn't know how to start it. And then when you came over and we started talking, like, wow, this is cool. You know? So you gave me the fire to start my podcast. And, um, I'm kind of still at that point where I, I love your context because it's so cool. Cause you talk about, you talk about everybody, uh-huh. you know? And my, I used to do an internet radio show live every, every Wednesday night. I remember that two hour show every night from eight to 10. And my show was, I, you know, someone coming from uh, a local band trying to make it, I thought, you know what, I'm going to take care of the local guys, whatever. And it didn't matter. At first, I started uh, local Dallas, Dallas, Fort Worth area, North Texas. And then uh, Chris didn't want me to do anything out of out of North Texas. And I was like, no, dude, there's other, you know, other Internet stations that are doing the same thing I'm doing. I need I need to broaden my 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 horizons. So I started doing local unsigned bands from coast to coast. And I just reached out to friends like, like you, you're in, you know, you're, you're in the other side of the States, you know? And so I would reach out to someone like you, Hey, Bernie, do you have, do you know any bands in your area that want to get some, some internet radio play? And so I would reach out like Greg King. He's up in, in, in the, uh, Denver. Uh-huh. I reached out to him and he sent me a couple bands and then, yeah, Patrick, uh, 
uh, is up in up in Humboldt County, California. He was sending me bands because he was going to and from from Vegas. So he started sending me bands. And then out of the blue, this guy calls me. Actually, my first interview, and I'll never forget it. My first radio interview, I, I drove to downtown Dallas to the Sheraton and did an interview with a, a guy uh, that was with a band called Psych. And they were from Easton, Pennsylvania. And he was here in Dallas because he used to work for uh, Shark Tank. Uh-huh. And so I went over there and I took this little four track recorder, you know, four track, you know, a little recorder, some mics, you know, a plug. It, I don't even remember how you plugged it in, but we did this interview in the lobby. And by the time we finished that interview, there was probably a good 30, 40 people watching us. And but I interviewed him. And it was funny because when you do a live broadcast like that, you could see where Chris could see where the where the uh, IPs were 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 hit and were pinging. And he was texting me while I'm doing the show because what I would do is I would record the interview and then I'd come back in and splice it into the show. I'd add, I would just add it into my live show. And um, Chris would look at it and he would go, dude, you've got like 300 people listening to you right now on the East Coast in Pennsylvania. You know, so I started, this is fun. And then got a band from uh, New York. Same thing. You know, uh, I'm not going to say who the drummer's related to, but this is a he's uh a, he's a relative of a very influential mafia boss. <laughs> it's all I'm going to say because I don't want the horse heads in my bed, but he, uh, they were badass. And when we did that show, I had almost 600 people listening to my show from New York. Hmm. And Chris was freaking out. This can't be right. This can't be. He started looking at it and there were all different IP addresses that they were coming from. And so he go, dude, this is going to work. And I said, I told you, you know, but I would play. I had a band from uh, Tokyo. We had one of Lord Tracy's biggest fans. She was from Tokyo and she sent me some music. Of course, I couldn't understand the words, but it was heavy metal. It was cool. And um, but I had bands. I had a band from uh, uh, Australia. Uh, I had one of my main fans. You know, I broadcast at 11 at 10, 8 o'clock central time. She was listening to my show at 11 o'clock. The, the next day so i was like dude i'm broadcasting into the future and i was it was actually kind of funny because yeah i broadcast on wednesday but she was listening to it on thursday morning yeah yeah and so she was a big messer fan and so i'd always play messer but i concentrated on um local bands from coast to coast that were not signed you know or even if they were signed they were still you know a local band small band that needed some airplay and my show went on for, for five years and it was pretty cool. And, uh, but then when I started doing my podcast, I had no idea what I wanted to do. I was like, man, can I treat this like my show? I, I, I don't know, you know? So what I've done, and you, you said you listened to my, my, my show the other night, one of the guys I, I, I got to the point where it's like meeting your, your, the guy you work for uh-huh. that show is going to be completely all about him all about his music, nothing else. And I'll play, if I have the music, I'll play some of his music, little interview with him, uh, whatever. But that's what I, where I've come from. I was like, you know what? I'm going to concentrate instead of jumping around from band to band, to band, to band, to band, trying to play these bands on this podcast. I'll interview the artist and uh-huh. make that whole about the artist, you know? And is it and an hour show? It, it just, just depends. I've done like I did, um, uh, uh, I recently just did uh, 
Mick James, who does all the um, all the work for Chris Angel. Uh huh. And I've got to polish up his interview a little bit, uh, but uh, you know, I just uh, it's, it's it's just so much fun. I mean, I just get to do a whole lot of different things, and you know, um, everybody's been so cool. You know, I'll do the interview. Uh, I did his. His was like an hour and a half. You know, and I've done shows where it's only forty-five minutes. Yeah. So know, is it is uh, it less preparation or more preparation when you're just focusing on one artist for each show rather than trying to get a whole slew of bands for a show? Well, you know, it's funny because uh, when I used to do my live show, I mm-hmm. would write down bands. I because I didn't want to play the same band too many times in a row. So I would play local bands from Dallas a lot, and then I'd play some other bands from from other states and stuff. But it just um, I would have to look at the previous notes of what I did. Whereas now all I'm more concerned was like your artist. I would have to go to maybe Wikipedia, pull out some things that ask them about this and ask them about that. Ask them about this. What did you do? What, you know, uh, and I, I jot down notes. It's to me, I think it's easier because I'm focusing on one artist, but I'm doing actually more work researching that artist, but it's only one artist that I have to research. Yeah. You know? And so, um, a lot of times we just talk about whatever, you know, whatever and you know a lot of ours i ask them what do you do on your day off you know what do you do do you besides music what do you enjoy doing and they go wow these are different questions i'm like yeah i want to ask you about your music but what is your personal life like yeah, you know yeah you but but I, I, that's where i i come from it's just like i want to i want to do bands that are still unknowns you know help them out and you know maybe i you know maybe i can maybe i, I who knows i don't know but yeah. I, I enjoy what I do. Uh, I really, I really get, you know, get it, you know, that's, you know, but uh, it's just, it's so much fun. And that's when you, when you start doing, I was like, man, I've been wanting to do something like that, but I don't know how to do it. And you no, know, your equipment, I went out and I started looking at the equipment. I started looking at this and mics, the mics I got now are so sensitive. And I think that's what we dealt with when you interviewed me the first time because we were picking up everything. Yeah. Well, I didn't really know how to use what I had, <laughs> right? <laughs> you know, but uh, yeah, I remember. I remember was picking up everything, but I didn't know. I didn't. Know, uh, I was completely ignorant to what I was doing. Now I'm just semi ignorant to what I'm doing. Well, I'm ignorant, so. <laughs> but the, the and you know, before part- we go any further, man, a couple of seasoned pros like us, we haven't even said the name of your podcast. <laughs> I'm sorry, my podcast is the four one five. Uh, if you look it up on uh, Spotify or Google Google Podcast or whatever, it's going to be four and the one spelt out uh, four zero uh, zero n e five, and it's podcast. You have to have podcast on the end, or you won't find it. But okay. it, you'll see it. It says four one five, and some people ask me. And before we, I know you're going to ask me, what does four one five mean? Yeah, what does four one five? You know, does it mean anything? <laughs> it actually does. <laughs> Uh, as you know, and maybe some of your listeners don't, some of your listeners don't know, but I'm a former police officer. Uh-huh. Hired, uh huh. Hired eight years ago, but I was one after I left uh, 81X Rocks. I formed my own radio, uh, internet radio station, and I couldn't think of a name. And I started, and I was watching. It's funny because I was watching Adam Twelve, and the, the dispatcher says we have a 415 loud music. So I looked it up, and sure enough, 415. In police jargon is loud music disturbance. Uh-huh. Hence 415. 
you know so it stuck um so i used to it used to be called extreme 415 because my company was called extreme south but i knocked off the extreme and said 415 yeah you know so but that's that's the meaning of 415 it's uh loud music disturbance and for those young ones adam 12 was quite possibly one of the most popular tv shows in the 70s police show police show yeah yeah one out of you know, 12, one out of 12. Yeah. See the man in the corner? <laughs> See the man on the corner walk and don't walk? You know, but yeah, I just, uh, I wanted something that kind of meant something, you know? Um, and like yours, I love your name of your, your show, you know, which is cool. Oh, thank you, know? you, man. Thank you. Yeah. But yeah, you you pushed me to, to do the podcast and, you know, I've always looked up to you in many different ways as a- Oh, thank you, man. Great. Great guitar player, man. I mean, you are a good guitar player. You know, some people don't know that, but you are a good guitar player. Great friend. You know, uh, you know, uh, I was even there when you opened up your your, your guitar shop. You yeah. were you 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 made that trek sixty miles down from yeah. Dallas. Took some pictures. Left was it left uh, stage left. Stage left. Stage left. And I still got those pictures. Did I ever send you those? Matter of fact. Yeah, I think you did send me a few. Oh, okay. Yeah, we were we were youngsters then. Yeah, right. That was, <laughs> oh, that was so long ago. <laughs> oh man, likewise. You know, like I said, I I, ne- I never really understood. I I never really understood. You know, that phone call that morning that was going to lead to this really this lifelong friendship. Right. You know? Exactly. Uh, uh, like I said, over twenty years. I, I remember the I booked your band, and then you guys came in a few weeks later, and you showed up with your band and uh i remember this clearly russ i remember clearly i was not having the best day personally and i said you're like hey how you doing i was like i could be better and i told you what happened and you put your arm around me and go and you said brother i'm here now (laughs) (laughs) and i knew i was like dude me and this guy are gonna be friends and we're still friends you know what is it 2023 and we're still yeah. friends. We still keep in touch. I, I hear from you more than I hear from a lot of people. And, uh, you know, thank you. Thank you for supporting what everything I've ever done, including this podcast, because I know you thank do you. support That's it. Good, and uh, you, just you. thanks for being a friend, brother. You know, thank you, man. Likewise, you know, we're, you know, now that we got all that mushy stuff out of the way, we're, <laughs> macho, we're macho dudes. <laughs> <laughs> But, man, I appreciate you taking the time to do this, telling us a little bit about your story. We could probably go on for hours with everything oh you've done, but I appreciate yeah. you taking this time out, man. I know we were supposed to do this in person and, and something yeah. came up, but right. uh, but thank you for, for being very flexible with me. You know it's called Is Breakfast Included? Absolutely. And if we, were, if we were having breakfast, which I probably would have taken you to the Waffle House the other day, what oh, would you dude, have if awesome. we were having breakfast? Dude, that'd have been awesome. Probably uh, a fried egg with some hash browns and toast and a couple pancakes and a nice cup of coffee. Right on. Yeah, something basic, dude. Oh, and, oh I get, can't forget about the bacon. Crispy, crispy almost bacon. bacon. <laughs> crispy, almost burnt. Well, right on, brother. brother well, thank it, you so much. It's called The 415 podcast the one yep. is spelled out you find it on spotify and google play you said google uh google uh podcast, google podcast google podcast anchor which is now part of spotify you know so yeah thank you and bre- is breakfast included you know 
y'all don't forget y'all need to if you haven't heard all the interviews that bernie's done go back and listen to them all and we're going to test at the end of the year <laughs> extra credit if you tell me who did the podcast twice the only guest who did it twice <laughs> yeah hint listen to this podcast from the beginning and he will tell you <laughs> well brother i appreciate your time man it was good thank talking you, to you thank you buddy thanks Everybody, that was Russ Rojas, or as his friends call him, Rockwood. Make sure you check out his podcast, 415 Podcasts on Spotify, Google Podcasts, all that good stuff. Check it out. Let me know what you think. Uh, While you're online, go to isbreakfast.bigcartel.com, buy a shirt, let us know how it fits, send us a picture, you know? Email Lisa or, or send it to her on Facebook or Instagram. You know, she runs all that shit. Send it to her. Let us know how the shirt looks on you. Tell her what it feels like. Is it good quality? Is it bad quality? Let us know how we're doing. Go to Apple Podcasts. Subscribe to our podcast. Leave a review. A good one. Uh, Give us a five-star rating or a four-star rating. But don't give us a one-star rating because I'm going to hunt you down if you do that. Anyway, (laughs) all right, guys. I am done. Have a great day. We'll talk to you next week.